This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Welcome to the 47th episode of Keeping the Bird, Book Nerds in Session. I'm Taylor. I'm Kami. And in this episode, we're going to go into an in-depth discussion about the sensual and seaworthy It Happened One Summer by Tessa Bailey in just one hour. As a heads up, this book is on the mature side, and when I mean on the mature side, I mean it is way sexy. Mm-hmm. And so if you're under the age of 18, please stop listening. And if you know us, please also stop listening. I cannot stress that enough. If you know us personally, stop listening, please. It is your blood-bound duty to click off right now. Like, I can't I can't be who you need to be (laughs) if someone we know is listening. Yes. (laughs) No, I also cannot be held accountable for what I say after this. Yes. So potential employers, please don't. Yes. If, if, if you are going to hire us, please also stop listening. Yes, please. <laughs> now, as we discuss everything about what happened one summer, and I mean everything, here's your one and only spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. Kami, would you like to give us a spoiler alert sound effect? Whoa. Yeah. And now, on to the show. Now, this one obviously is a romantic contemporary story. So, I mean, we should discuss the romance. Is that the right thing to do with the summer romance is talk about the romance? I mean, I some people would say. Or should we talk about the summer? <laughs> the one that was barely mentioned. <laughs> so what did you think about the romance? On a surface level, if you just look at the characters and the plot line on paper, it's a great story. Yeah. You know, very rom-com, very kind of bordering on like cliche, but in a good way. Yeah. It's like cliche in a new way. Um, but yeah, like I liked Piper and, and her attraction to Brendan at first. And I liked the, the how their conflicts kind of like intertwined with each other and how, they were mindful of each other's com- of like their inner conflicts and like what they were dealing with. It was too sexy for me. There was we we will talk about the sex later if that's what you're here for. Don't worry, it's next. Don't worry about that. Um, but I didn't feel as much as I wanted to for the romance. I feel like I could have, but I didn't feel the chemistry there. For me, I think my main thing with Piper and Brendan, and maybe this is kind of what what kind of made me not feel as deeply, is that I feel like in the beginning, he went from mean to nice really fast. Yes. And so there wasn't that contention that then turns to fondness. And it just felt like it was just a little too quick, in my opinion. Like we first, Brendan first meets Piper. And in his narrative, he he accepts that she's hot. But he's like, she's flashy, she's L.A., she's not meant to be here. And so you kind of think that for most of the, yeah, for the most of the beginning of the book, like a third of the book, that he's kind of going to be this grumpy, sour, you-don't-belong-here guy. But I think in the next coming days after that beginning scene, of course, there's the grocery store scene where Piper's trying to cook a homemade meal. She does not know how to cook. I relate. I burned top ramen because I forgot to put water in it. Same. Yeah, Katie also had the same experience. Uh, Yeah, if you're wondering if that can be done once, it can not only be done once, it can be done twice. By two different people. (laughs) And and Brendan ultimately decides to help her out with ingredients and such. And he kind of quickly realizes that he's been an asshole. But I wanted him, I wanted there to be a little bit more asshole for him to realize that he was being an asshole. Yeah, there wasn't enough enemies to lovers. Yes. I also, I completely agree with that. But I also think there wasn't enough disinterest to horniness. Yes. <laughs> it just went from, <laughs> it just went from horny to even hornier to how are you still horny? Yeah, to like, to a point where I'm like, this might be a medical condition. 
literally like, did you take too much of that pill that makes you get an erection for like six hours? That hospital that you just had sex in, you should maybe check yourself in for having so much sex. (laughs) But like for me, I think what really turned me off to the romance was the fact that Brendan was as horny as he was from the beginning. Mm. Because from the beginning, we have descriptions like her tight ass. Like this is straight from the book. Yeah. And like descriptions of like her tits, her stomach. Things like that. So, like, it's not like I don't think that men think like that. It's just that I didn't want so much of it and so much at the beginning. Kind of more like a reluctance to accept that she is attractive, but that he's going to reject that and not be thinking about that. They're going to have that enemies to lovers. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, halfway through the story, he goes, she really is beautiful on the surface, but even more beautiful because of the person that I've come to know through our contention. It's like he was obviously very attracted to her, just her, like just how she looks, which I don't think was a bad thing. No. But I think it was focused on just a bit too much, especially in terms of her conflict with her being seen as an airhead and vapid and just interested in her looks. And I think for him to, for him to think that she's so attractive when he's not supposed to like her, I feel like that's kind of a a weird dynamic. Yeah. Because then it's like, well, he doesn't really not like her. He just thinks she's hot. Yeah. Like, it's like you said, I would have preferred if he like kind of like recognized it when that he thinks that she's attractive from the very beginning, but then didn't want to like recognize that. Almost kind of, like, forgot about it. Yeah. So, like, he refuses to recognize it, and then we kind of slowly go into, oh, wait, but, like, I see her as this person, and then she just happens to have a really nice ass. (laughs) And great tits. Yes. (laughs) Now, with, with Brandon and with Piper, I did really like that they did have their own arcs. Yes. They had their own arcs, and then they also had an arc together. I did really like that because... I think that made the story stronger and it also just makes them more of their own characters and then them, it makes them a better couple. And so I like that with Brendan, he kind of had to learn spontaneity and that it's okay for him to move on from his life. It's okay for the town to see that he can fall in love with someone else. And with Piper, of course, she has to learn responsibility and what it means to live and to make money and to earn and things like that. And together, I liked that she kind of had to overcome her insecurity and he kind of had to overcome his rootedness, you know, kind of to realize, hey, if I want this girl, I may have to consider moving or making poor L.A. or doing certain things. Like kind of how they accommodated each other ultimately. Yeah, it was nice how they both realized that they didn't like this certain thing about themselves and that change was brought out because of the other person. And how they both kind of, like, kind of changed for each other. Yeah, But, like, it was from both sides. It wasn't a Danny, Zuko, Sandy thing. No. And we would know because we talked about Grease a few weeks ago. Yeah. In a five-minute um, episode. Go watch it. Go watch it. Go <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> but, like, you know, Brendan became more spontaneous. He strayed away from his routine. And Piper became more grounded. You know, she wasn't so into taking selfies all the time and kind of living in the moment without her public image kind of getting in the way. Yes. Right. So in that way, like I really liked how those two flow together, like what you said. And it it was very cute. I just couldn't feel for it. I didn't have the passion, but I appreciated it. Yeah. And I also like how they didn't dismiss each other's problems, too. So, like, when Piper goes to the memorial for Brendan's past wife. Oh. Which that scene, oh, my gosh. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, my gosh. When she came with the tequila shots, I was like, oh, no. Turn around. I was I can't like, read it. his father-in-law's a dick. I know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that is a total jerk move. That it's really a total is. jerk move. Like, oh, yeah, you you should come to the party without telling her. That it's his late daughter's memorial party. Yeah, that was so Ooh, the cringe though. Oh, the oh my gosh, the embarrassment. I felt that. I felt it. I felt oh, it. And oh, I felt really bad for her in that scene. But I liked that Brendan ran out after her, and he wasn't at all 
dismissive of her feelings or he didn't make her feel bad about what she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was very encouraging, very helpful to her instead. And so I really liked moments like that where even though maybe to some her problems would seem insignificant, to him they weren't because they were they were her, you know, and he didn't want to dismiss any part of her no matter what anyone else said. Yeah. You know, he does have a lot of those moments where he's very consistent in, like, he doesn't want to just be like, well, your problems aren't valid because of this. That's why at the very... Yeah, we, we can chat a little bit about the ending. Um, I know that's a later segment, but... Well, that's why at the end, it didn't quite make sense to me why Brendan acted the way he did. Mm. Because I was like, you've been so consistent in this thing. Like, I honestly expected for, like, the big conflict at the end to be caused by another thing. Yeah. Which would have made more sense in my head. By, like, Mick or something. Honestly, I thought Daniel was going to come in. Oh. Yeah. We'll Wait. talk about it more. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about it a bit more. But, like, he was, I think this is also part of the reason why I was like, eh, Brandon, was just because he was consistent up until that point. And so I was like, you can't trust men. <laughs> <laughs> He did everything right like seven times, but that one time. (laughs) I was not expecting that conclusion. (laughs) I can safely say that. (laughs) But like, okay, like they're they're very cute moments. It's, I just. Also, is he a man's man though? Is he a man's man? He built a pergola. He wears a beanie. (laughs) That's a good point though. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. He drives a boat, though. You know what? Yeah, he has a truck, which is, like, the most masculine type of car you could possibly buy. He has a truck. He He's the captain of a fishing boat. He has a very dangerous job. He's very built. He can build things. Yes, that's all very masculine. However, you wear a beanie, okay? You know who wears beanies? Fragile L.A. hipsters. And elves. <laughs> Like, you can't, like, if you think of a typical man's man, like, masculine, just built, afraid to cry kind of thing, do you imagine him wearing a beanie? I can't say, because I keep thinking about Brendan right now. <laughs> okay, get Brendan out of your mind. You're like, I need, I need the fucking answer. <laughs> Okay, just think of, okay, let me let me describe a man to you in very stereotypical masculine traits. I'm scared. Okay? No, he does not have a hat because my mind naturally edits out hats, veins, and colored hair. <laughs> Don't ask me why. You know, the fact that Feyre had bangs, I dismissed that. She had bangs? She did have bangs. Who was cutting her bangs? I dismissed that so fast. You wouldn't even know. <laughs> The I fact that Brendan too. had a the the only thing that kept reminding me that Brendan had a beanie was the, the was the cover. <laughs> if not for that, my mind would have fucking tossed that out into the ocean side. I cannot tell you how much I hate that he had a beanie on. Like I get it in terms of like he's a fisherman and he needs to be warm, but I was like, why are you wearing it all the time? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> there's ocean time, and then there's not ocean. <laughs> Now, what did you think of the scenes where Brendan takes Piper, Hannah, and Fox out to Seattle? We kind of get out of Westport for a little bit. I mean, the intention was freaking adorable. Yeah, that was really sweet that he did that. Again, kind of showing that he's being spontaneous. He's like, look, I can change. Like, I can can do the things that you want because I want you to stay. Like, I think it was really, it's really cute that he put his efforts towards making himself better instead of stopping her from doing what she wants to do. Yes. Which was yes, very important. That. Yeah. Like that was great. Love that for them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling the roast coming up and my body is bracing for it. <laughs> the only reason I personally believe that he paid for that trip to Washington was because he wanted to do it with Piper in as many places as possible. The hotel room did feel a little bit purposeful. I'm like, we're in a really luxurious hotel right now. That means, you know, soft sheets, feather bed. They also, okay, I'm not going to go into this, but there was another place, okay? Like, that whole trip, I was just like, like, 
you say that you want to take care of her sister, but you're literally just like, okay, let's go here and do it. Let's go here and like, and he tried, he did, but like underlying it, like there was too much, like I'm horny. There was too much pent up horniness. Yeah. And so it was, again, like the intention was very cute, but like the agenda, (laughs) (laughs) the sexual agenda was just very, very prominent. Let me tell you, Piper and Brendan would be that couple where they're like, oh yeah, let's totally go out to the movies. Then 10 minutes into the movie, you look over in the seats next to you and they're doing naughty things (laughs) and they're not even eating the popcorn. They would be that couple. They would be that couple, honestly. Yeah. And I like, I felt bad for Hannah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, you're just like being bumped in with like this strange dude. That's kind of like a playboy. Yeah. Why are you okay with this? <laughs> you, you can get out. Yeah. Now, before we kind of move on to, I felt like this was kind of an important point to hit on. So before yes. we go yeah. on to the sexy subjects, yeah. what did you think about the aspect in the romance of this idea that Piper feels like she can't be a fisherman's wife and that Brendan has kind of he has a kind of a war with the mistress that is the sea, you know, like, can I love anyone more than the ocean? I personally felt that Brendan should have felt way more for his late wife. First okay. Off. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I felt the same thing. I was like, even if he loved his past wife, that wouldn't mean that this new relationship would be diluted because of that. I felt like his last wife was really dismissed to kind of give way to this relationship. Yep. And I was like, hey, you know, like this poor woman doesn't have to be disregarded just to make way for a new relationship. He could have really loved her. But but instead, he just really actually kind of did not. Yeah. So my issue specifically with that was that his Brendan's war was more like. Like, I don't want to stop doing my job. Like, I love the sea, but I I don't know if, like, I'm the right type of person for Piper. I don't know if I can give her the life she wants. And I wanted, since with a backstory, like, having, being a widower, I wanted that to be a more prominent theme. Mm. So I would have rathered that he kind of, like, balanced between the dangers of his, of his profession versus, like, how he was supposed he was supposed to die because he has a dangerous profession, but then his wife did and he loved her and like that whole thing. Like I felt like that could have added a lot more emotion to the story and could have made the conflict that much more contentious. Mm. And by that making the resolve that much more satisfying. And also too, I think you brought up a great point in that it could have played into his arc as well. The fact that he was at sea when his wife died mm-hmm. could have maybe played into his decision to to love Piper more than the the ocean than his job than putting his job first. Yeah, and I feel like that could have played into Piper's whole thing of maybe not being enough of being a fisherman's wife. And then it could be like, well, you know, I wasn't the one who died, it was my wife kind of thing like it is very dangerous what I do, but I mean anything could happen, obviously. So why not try this now kind of thing? Yeah. And could have maybe pushed him more to to be willing to invest in a new relationship. Yeah. To kind of put aside. Yeah, I did think it was strange that he he didn't really love his first wife. I'm not saying he didn't love her, but he was basically like we were just friends who were pushed together by expectations. I didn't like that aspect. I yeah. was like, that kind of makes me think of his character less like I think less of him because of that well and also because one of the biggest points is that Brendan has kept his wedding ring on mm-hmm. for a lot of the story and I understand why he feels like he has to give in that his late wife's father gave him his boat and things like that but also too I felt like it would have been more substantial if he actually had a true love and fondness for his wife but then to realize that she would want him to be happy and that's why he takes it off more so than like, oh, I'm only keeping this on because of an obligation to her father yeah. and not even to her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That felt, that felt, it was sad. It was very sad. Yeah. And I think that's also might be the reason why I didn't like Brendan as much. And I also felt like too that Piper, not necessarily should have felt, but I felt like she should have had the thought of maybe insecurity with Brendan or having a wife before. Because I feel like there's kind of the natural inclination to compare yourself. A little bit, yeah. 
And so I was kind of surprised when she didn't. Because, again, it just seemed like this first wife was really pushed to the side. Mm-hmm. In a way that I didn't feel like added to Brendan's character. Yeah, her the late wife's father was in the story more than she was. Yes. And I, I mean, I understand because, like, he's alive. But, like, Brendan's whole thing was that his wife is dead. Yeah. So, yeah, very, very strange that way. Yeah. Now, as we've been alluding to this whole time in the recommendation and discussion, <laughs> this book has a lot of sex scenes. It does? It does? Oh my goodness, I didn't even notice. Gosh, it wasn't like it was three-fourths of the book. I thought the boat was <laughs> rocking just because of the ocean. <laughs> like, I've also, again, like in the in the recommendation, I believe I said that Tessa Bailey has a way with graphic descriptions, and that was very apparent in the sex scenes. Yes. And I completely stand by that again. Yes, this was more erotic than the erotica we read. Yeah. I mean, the first one that we, the first very steamy scene we get is during their Brendan and Piper's first date. Yes. Um, where they have dinner at his house, and I was like, you're going to have a first date at your house. Oh, I thought that was cute. I mean, it was cute, but I was like, the, the insinuation. Oh, for me, it was more so like she, he wanted her to feel like he could, she could have a home with him. Oh, that's cute. But it also kind of turned into a different kind of feast. Oral sex feast. <laughs> like, kind of, like there was this one thing particularly for me. Oh, yes. I know what that this That bugged is. me. Yes. Apart from the other thing. Oh, never mind. So this is specific to this scene. Oh, okay. Oh, the fact that they left the food. Oh, my gosh. That's another thing I didn't even think about. <laughs> They did. They totally left the food. Also, it just kind of happened kind of very suddenly, at least in my perspective. Yes, like, it, yes. It was like one second they're eating, and the next she's on the table, like, yes. on her back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, having a different kind of meal, you know what I'm she's saying? She's having a... <laughs> but there is... Okay, also, like, again, this gets kind of graphic. So, like, again, if you don't... If you know us... Please go. Please stop and listening. I, and I'm saying this with love and respect. Please go away. <laughs> but while he's pleasuring her, okay, mm-hmm. he takes her panties. Oh, yes, yes. And starts pleasuring himself with that cloth. Yes. I actually forgot that happened in all honesty. And because I w- there was a lot of sex. I was so confused. And I was like, is is, is 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 this a thing? Is, why, but if you, I don't, that was my reaction. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ah. Like, already, I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and then, like, that happened. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Well, this is, like, another level. Like, there are kinks that people have that I'm very not aware of. Yes. But, I mean, also the thing that bugs me in all sexy scenes and angers me a lot. It does really make you mad. The use of the word baby as an affectionate term makes me so angry. You do not like that. I hate it so much. Particularly, particularly in sex scenes. Mm-hmm. Because he was like, does that feel good, baby? I was like, I literally wanted to throw up. Like, <laughs> I think I dry heaved. Oh. It was so And like the whole thing with like him with her panties and pleasuring stuff and her baby. I was just like, no, not for me. Stop it. <laughs> the thing the thing for me is that it went from zero to 100 really fast. So sad. I mean, they hadn't even really had like a kiss or like a makeout or anything at this point. They hadn't even held hands or done anything like that. That's true. It's like all these little steps that usually it feels like romances take, you know, where you do oh, the hand holding. They did kiss though. They I think they did kiss. They did kiss. after the party. I could be wrong. Well, it wasn't after that. It was when they were fixing up um the bar oh. and after he finished with the pergola, mm-hmm. they had like their kiss scene, and it was like, <gasps> "How are we gonna stop?" kind of thing. Oh, and then they went on the first date, and 
Piper wanted to make it all about sex, and he was like, no, I'm not going to let you. But then he kind of did. Yeah. (laughs) But the thing is, is that usually there's kind of like those landmarks and romances where it kind of starts out slow. You know, you have your hand holding, your hug, then your kiss, then your makeouts, and then your sex. Eleanor and Park, except for the sex part. Yeah. (laughs) But in this story, I felt like we kind of missed out on a lot of those small but really intimate moments because we go straight to the sex. And this is a theory that my sister and I share. And I don't know if other people do. But this is just something that we've always thought and believed with romances. We think it with books, we think it with TV shows, and we say it every single time. Once sex happens, I'm not very interested in the relationship. Yeah, because it's like, what else are they going to do? Like, have more sex? Been right. there, done that. Because the whole the whole anticipation comes from the buildup. You know, of everything I said, like the hand-holding, the hugs, the kiss. Once you have sex, that's kind of like the most amount of intimacy that you can have. It feels like you can't really go past that point and create any deeper feelings of love or devotion, at least to me. In terms of, like, physical affection. Yes. Yeah. And so, because the sex happened so early in the story, I felt like I just really couldn't stay with it. Because, again, I was like, well, one, what what are they going to do from here? Because there's really no other way to prove that you're devoted to someone because like you're you're already you've already done it. And so like what what else are we gonna do here, folks? We're gonna keep having sex. You know, rather I when I think I myself, again, I'm a slow burn person, would have preferred if it had kept a no sex dinner, that he kind of kept his promise to keep it no sex, so that it could really play into something more deeper and intimate and real. Because I think having the sex so early really made it kind of feel like what Piper wanted for it to be fuck buddies and for it to be casual. And so I think because of that, I think that is kind of what limited me in my feelings for the romance. Yeah, I feel like all the sex made the romance less intimate. Yes. Which is a strange thing to say. Because it seemed more lusty than love. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Like, I understood Piper's conflict in, like, I don't know if I can do something real, but I can do sex kind of thing. But, like, I did want Brendan to kind of stick to his guns and be like, no, I do want something more. And I I know if I do this, I'm not going to get it. But the man was so horny. Yeah, he was horny. But even for Piper's side, though, you know, Piper has had these super casual, non-feeling, non-intimate relationships. So I would have loved for her in this relationship to take the slow steps and to have the little moments that she hadn't had in other relationships. Well, I think for her, she had already had those and she got scared. Mm. Which is why, which is why on Piper's side, I can see her side. Yeah. Because if she just like, she knows that she's attracted to him. But she's just going to make that, oh, that's just physical attraction. Like, I don't want to go deeper because I I can get hurt. So, like, I see her side of it. Yeah, me too. Brendan's side doesn't make sense to me. And I'm like, it's because you're a man. (laughs) Because you're just a horny man. (laughs) Honestly, like, even, I would have preferred if, yeah, he was horny at the beginning. And he he was really lonely because he hasn't had sex in seven years kind of thing. And that he stuck to his guns. And that he was like, I really, really want this, but I can't do it because then I'm going to lose her. Mm -hmm. Once I make it about sex, then sex is going to be all that it's about. And that's all it was about. And so I feel like also the sex scenes would have been more satisfying if he had done that because it would have been like, oh, now we're finally getting to this. Yeah, the an- the anticipation would have built up, you know, There, then you would be looking forward to the sex because it's like, well, he's kind of withholding it because he wants to get to know her more. So when they finally meet on the same level, then it's going to be climactic. Yeah, like, I mean, not that I, like I enjoy sex scenes, <laughs> but like if I do read one, like I kind of, I mean, I feel like the point of a sex scene is to make you blush. Mm-hmm. It's kind of to make you feel the connection between the two characters. And I didn't get that. Like, the only thing that I was like, oh, okay, was just by, the, like, the graphic descriptions. Yeah. Like, I didn't feel any intimacy from the sex scenes. Maybe a graphic description with emotional intimacy, you would have gone all, like, all of the audience. Yeah, you would have hit every single box. Yeah. I think also, too, with the sex scenes that 
there wasn't a lot of variation in the sex scenes. I know there were setting wise because I know there's the house and there's the hotel and there's the boat and the, the hospital. hospital. Oh, how could I forget the hospital? And the shopping. Yes. Five different places. Five different places. But the thing is, is that they didn't vary. They didn't. They were all hard, fast, and rough. Rough. Yes. You know, there wasn't any like, oh, this one was hard and fast, but this one was slow and sensual. Mm-hmm. And this one was teasing and um, playful, but this one was serious and, and love, like uh, love making, mm-hmm. one could say, as the term is used. There is no love making. There is just fucking. Yeah. There, that, this is fucking. This, yeah. That's true. That's a good distinction. Yeah. Where I feel like. I felt like that could have helped build up the emotions too, where even though the sex was early in the story, by having different variations, by having it maybe be that hard, casual, rough sex at first, but then turning into something slower and deeper and more sensual could make it more of that we're in love. That is a great point. But they they stayed at it like hard and rough the whole time. They were like bunnies. They were literally bunnies. That endurance, man. I mean, I can't imagine that he had that much endurance because, to be honest, it seems to go on very long. I feel like we also, too, we have to talk about two of the settings in particular where sex happened. The first one, the hospital. The disrespect to the man in the hospital bed by having sex a few doors down. Oh, my goodness. One, you're in a public place people can see you i don't care if brendan put a freaking chair under the doorknob yep you know what people are gonna think hey this door shouldn't be locked i have to get in here let's break it down also unsanitary well i mean it's a hospital well but they're making it and oh yeah they went in a room and they used it for the wrong reason and in an emergency, no one's going to know. No also, one's going to know what happened. Also, can I just say, they're on the fourth floor of the hospital, with, with which, if you don't know, the fourth floor in a hospital is the ICU. And we see what you did. <laughs> like, that's the intensive care unit. That's where, like, people in critical condition are in. Yeah. Okay? Like, the dis- like you could have gone to the eighth floor, and I wouldn't, ha- I wouldn't have been as offended. But the fact that it was at the ICU... I was like, keep it in your pants and put a condom on, but keep it in your pants. (laughs) But also the fact that there was a man's life, like the reason that they're at the hospital, you know, because one of Brendan's crew is in the hospital because of a typhoon. This is not the time and place to have sex, people. This is the time and place to show love and support and care to his family. Like, I would have preferred if they were like, I can't hold it in. Let's go to your car. Yeah. You have a truck. Yeah. It's large. <laughs> but the thing is, too, is that, look, I get that in this moment. Piper thought he was essentially dead. She didn't know his fate. She heard hospital. She thinks he's hurt. She has to go see him. She's relieved to see him. I understand that's a passionate moment. But again, I feel like that passion could have been better felt and distributed if they had waited and went to a more secure and 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 non-public setting. Yes. Like, I mean, I understand, like, doing it in a car is also still public, but less disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, to the, yeah, to the hospital. Yeah, the hospital. I was like, no, we can't be doing this here. We can't. We can't. I was also like, how are you feeling so much for a person you met two weeks ago? True. I was like, you cannot feel this much for a man who you hated a week and a half ago. And then the scene gets even more dire because then after they have sex... They go out and they see Mick. Literally seconds after. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you not have more embarrassment, more guilt about this? Like, I really wanted Piper to be like, oh my gosh, I just had sex with this dude's late daughter's husband while he's, was he still wearing his wedding ring? Oh no, he wasn't. He wasn't wasn't at this point. No, but like. While he's there, too? Like, doors... Ugh, I just can't. I can't. And the second setting we have to talk about for a very similar reason. And even though sex didn't happen here, something sexy happened, occurred, when Brendan takes Piper shopping in Seattle. For jeans. For jeans. They are in the dressing room. She says, you know, basically, like, take off my jeans, you know, to be sexy. And, like, stuff occurs. 
almost oral occurs. Yeah. But also, like, there's this weird timeline and deadline of the shopping clerk who's helping Piper coming back. And so at any moment... She could, like, knock on the door. Yeah, and see them, like, oh, oh, my gosh. I Just the... The sense that it's in public, that it's PDA, but to the worst degree, and that that poor woman, if she had walked in, would have been treated to a sight she did not want to see, did not know she would see, did not expect to see, stresses me out so much. So much. I was just like, stop doing it in public. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah, I was like, guys, you have a hotel room, which they do do it later, but I'm like, maybe go there first. (laughs) Get your jeans and go. Like, there were a lot of places in that hotel room. Can I? D- there was a bathtub. There was a bed. There was a balcony. I mean, maybe not the balcony, but that's still more private than a freaking dressing room. True. True. I'm so mad at that. I can't stand public places and no. sex. No. They just do not go together as they should not by no, law. They do not. No. I'm just like, st- it just really bugged me. Yeah. The hospital one, I was like, guys, too far. Too, too far. far. Again, like, guys, like, I Taylor and I are very much people that are, like, build up to it. Like, if we're going to have a sex scene, build up to it. Like, don't just do it for the shock factor. Make it loving. Make it intimate. Yes. But that's not everyone's speed, you know? That's not. A lot of people like fast romance, and they like, you know, sex up front, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. It's not my preference, but it's awesome if it's yours. And so if, if it is your preference, then this is the book for you. Now, let's talk about the side characters. We, of course, have Piper, sorry, Hannah, who is Piper's sister, Fox, who is um, Brendan's right-hand man. We have Mick, who is the father of Brendan's past wife. And we have, of course, mentionings. We have Daniel, stepfather to Piper and Hannah. We have Piper and Hannah's mom. We have Piper and Hannah's first dad, the dad who passed away, Mm -hmm. who lived in Westport and owned the bar that they now own and manage. So what did you think about the side characters? That was a lengthy intro. (laughs) Um, But what did you think about the side characters? I think my favorite one had to be Opal, um, Mm -hmm. Piper and Hannah's grandmother. I wish she had more of a place in the story, though. Yeah. Because this whole time, like, Piper was discovering, you know, who her father, who her biological father really was. And so, and I think a really great way to do that would be through, oh, I don't know, his mother. (laughs) Perhaps. And so I liked that they that they did bond when they first met. Like, I thought that was really cute. And, like, that was kind of different because typically when you meet, like, a relative that you didn't know you had, you kind of, like, butt heads. Like, that's kind of the thing. So I liked that they they were very kind to each other and they kind of connected. Um, and I liked that Piper helped Opal get out of her shell. Like, I thought that was a very adorable thing to do. Um... But yeah, I just I just wish that Opal had more of a place in the story. I kind of wish that um, Piper and Hannah's father, biological father, had more of a place in the story because, like, that's basically the whole reason why they went to Westport to learn responsibility because of, like, Henry crosses their father's place in this in this town to the point where he has like a statue of him, like in memoriam of his death. Yeah, I did feel like their father was dropped off halfway through the story. I did like the addition of their father because I did feel like it added a deeper intensity to Piper's character. The fact that she's having to decide how she wants to emotionally react to this man she didn't know, but who was clearly loved. And so I felt like it could have been a, a, an, an, an emotional and inner conflict she could have dealt with more throughout the story and come to a resolution at the end. But I feel like halfway through, it was kind of dropped off. And it actually still kind of feels incomplete. Yeah. Because I don't feel like... I know at the end, she's like, oh, we did this bar for dad. And I know that she's saying that to Hannah. But at the same time, it didn't quite feel complete because it feels like she didn't come to terms with it. Yeah. But I did like the I did like the introduction of Opal. I like that Opal was someone who Piper con- could connect with and she could use her LA abilities of makeup and fashion and, and her passions to bring Op- Opal out of her shell, like you said, and how those passions kind of allowed Piper to get to know different people in the town as well. Um, I really liked Hannah. Hannah was one supportive sister. She got Piper out of jail. She moved to Westport with Piper. She third-wheeled while Piper, you know, did it in hospitals and hotel rooms and 
and in a lot of places. She was there throughout. And I also liked that because one of the things we usually say with side characters, particularly in romances, is that the best friend character or like the supportive character, who in this case is Hannah, typically doesn't have a lot of attributes and exists wholly just to support the protagonist. So I liked in this case that Hannah was her own person. She likes records and music and she kind of had a thing going on with Fox and that she was kind of her own person and that she wasn't there just to say, go, go, you, Piper. Even though she did say that, she was supportive. She was also her own person as well. I disagree slightly with that. Ooh. In that, I feel like in terms of the sequel, because the sequel to this book will be focused on Hannah and Fox's relationship, I felt like in in terms of that, Hannah wasn't in the story as much as much as, much as she should have been. Mm. I mean, I did like that she had her own attributes, but I felt like those attributes defined her because we didn't get much else of her. And I think particularly in terms of the fact of like Henry Cross being both Piper and Hannah's father, we didn't get to see Hannah and her connection to her father. We didn't get to see Hannah and her interactions with Opal, their grandmother. Like in that, I would have preferred if she had more of that in that case, because I feel like that would be touched on in the sequel, because I mean, that's also something that she could be struggling with. So and I do I do ag- agree that, you know, Hannah wasn't just there to support Piper. You know, she like she did kind of like her own thing. But I also feel like she wasn't enough of a character to make a sequel about. I like what you said, though, about how about how you wish that we had seen Hannah process with the father and with Opal and stuff, because I do think that could have really made it encompassed her too because she is the sister i think that's a really good point yeah i like i felt the sisterly bond between piper and hannah when in their own interactions um but i wanted to see more of like the outside sibling bond with the father with the grandmother with just like people's kind of like reactions to piper and hannah right like just just things like that yeah yeah no i think that that could have been a detail that could have enhanced their sisterhood Hannah as a person, I think that, that I think that's a really strong point. Now with the conflict, you know, we've kind of been alluding to it. But like, I mean, there are a couple of different conflicts in this book, but most of it kind of comes to the fact that Piper doesn't think that she can be a fisherman's wife and Brendan doesn't quite think that he can be enough for Piper. Mm-hmm. And then the big, kind of like a big wedge into that is Brendan's father-in-law. Nick. AKA the dick. Yeah, he kind of comes off as like the, oh yeah, I'm super nice and like friendly and can show you around, but like his his agenda is um I'm still not over my dead daughter's death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I'm my son in law cannot have a relationship with another person. He's passive aggressive. He's very passive aggressive. And it's not like it's, like, super, in, like, he's, like, a, the main reason why they, they don't, they think they can't be together. But he's definitely a catalyst into that. Yeah, he's a factor that plays into mm-hmm. it. And then the other, I mean, kind of the whole deadline of this book is the fact that Piper was sent here to Westport by her stepfather for three months. If she survives the three months, she gets to come back home. And when Piper and Hannah are opening up their bar, uh, Piper invites Daniel, their stepfather. And and so that puts pressure on the relationship, too, because Brendan's like, you're trying to create an escape. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm not enough for you, you're just going to run away. And and you're you're basically it's like you're having plan A and plan B because you don't necessarily feel secure enough in our relationship. Yeah, like, that was, like, the big thing that kind of, like, made them separate at the end because, you know, there had to be something. Yeah. And it honestly bugged me that this happened. Like, this particular conflict. With with Daniel? With, with Brendan. Them? Oh, okay. With Brendan. Because this whole time he's been so consistent, and I know she just wants something casual, but I don't, and I know she doesn't. And I'm going to make her admit it without, like, pushing her too far kind of thing. And so he was like, I understand, like, she's from L.A., and, I, and she loves shopping, and she loves expensive things, and I'm going to do that for her. And this whole time he's been so supportive. And I understand like he has his own insecurities, but the fact that they all built up to this one moment and he just exploded, like didn't seem very consistent with his character. 
and to what he's been trying to accomplish. Because up until now, he's a man of routine. He's he's very set in his ways, but he's trying to change a little bit. And I like that change that's like a little bit, but like this seems like too much of a change for a man with a routine. Mm. And for a man who's like so in control of, who's supposed to be so in control of his emotions. For me, I didn't necessarily mind that Brendan kind of reached this breaking point. Because I do think it is hard in a relationship when it feels like you're the one fighting, you're the one proving yourself, you're the one trying to make a change. Not to say that Piper isn't, but that Brendan, that in Brendan's mind he is, that to hear that while you've been doing this the whole time, she's still planned and scheduled to possibly still go home, to kind of still have a plan B, this escape plan. I do think that on his side, I felt like it was kind of fair that he did kind of want it kind of an ultimatum like by tomorrow morning i want to know that i want to know if this is something that matters to you because at this point you want to be so casual so casual so casual that you're literally planning a contingency plan to ensure that it can stay in casual just in case i'm not enough so i think for me for him it kind of came more from a place of insecurity and fear that led to that outburst of anger and to kind of kind of want her to prove to him what he's been trying to prove to her. So I didn't mind that because I do feel like Piper at some point needed to take a stand and wait at the dock and be like, hey, I want to prove to you that I am willing to make this work just as you are willing to make it work with me. And so I didn't necessarily mind that conflict. I do think that the other sides of the conflict, Mick and Daniel, and I think you mentioned this a little earlier, I do think they should have played more substantial roles because... It just seems weird not to when they seem like such key pieces and characters in the story. I mean, Daniel literally sent Piper to this place, so it's weird that he doesn't go to see her there or to kind of ensure, um, like, he's kind of that person who is the warden Mm -hmm. of the story, you know, who kind of keeps her in check. So I did find it weird that he didn't come back. And with Mick, I think he could have been utilized more to kind of drive in the insecurities and the guilt. But then ultimately for Brendan and Piper to decide, you know what, despite all of this, we want to be together kind of thing. I think the biggest thing for me in terms of Brendan's conflict with it, like I do understand it did come a place of insecurity and fear. And I completely understand that. Like Tessa Bailey did a really good job in like making that known. I think the biggest thing for me was just the fact that their relationship had only at that point, I think had only been going on for a month. Mm, Newborn. Maybe like less than that. And for something that happened so quickly, I just cannot fathom feeling that much and like the fact that he was like I'm gonna do anything for this girl but then like switched so quickly in my my head in such a short amount of time that also made me kind of like doubt it and Mm. it didn't make me appreciate it yeah because like I said since it was such a short time like I was like well you know what I'm wanting to see is just like Daniel coming in and like maybe offering to take her back because oh, I see that you're responsible. I see all of these things that you've done. You have a choice now. And kind of like having that thing kind of, like, like I said, like having Daniel like be more into the conflict because like that was the whole reason why she was there, you know? And so I, it was just the the short amount of time for me. Like yeah. if, it, if this was like in, in a span of like maybe six months, I'd understand it a little bit more. I would be like, yeah, that's that's been building up for a while. Like I can see that like he's insecure. He's been trying, but she's not giving enough to him. But it was just, it's just the fact that it was just in a month. Yeah. Maybe two. I don't know. It was a short amount of time. Uh, yeah, the timeline is a good point. That is such, like, <laughs> it hasn't been a while, like you said. Um, I also just don't like ultimatums. I don't like them either. I'm like, you either be here at this time or we're done. Yeah. And I'm like, th- is that really all this relationship meant to you? Like, it can be over and done in, like, this one moment? Yeah. That, yeah, it's like, it's too quick of a cut break like it just ultimatums make it seem like things don't matter yeah um but for the purposes of the story i do understand it but i do wish that with the conflict that there had been more foreshadow with abe like if he if it had been shown that he was cons- consistently stumbling or that his health was deteriorating or something like that i felt like to throw in that all of a sudden he has this huge major incident without any forward shadow it just feels a little too convenient for plot purposes yeah because towards the end i mean the ending was the whole thing of like oh piper didn't make it to the dock 
you know, even though she was, she wanted to, she wanted to show Brendan like, Hey, I'm in it. Like I'm here to stay. And she just wasn't able to be because of an emergency because she's walking in and he hit his head and everything. It was very, it was very, um, an affair to remember. If you ever seen that movie, it's heartbreaking. I love it. You should watch it. A walk to remember? An affair to remember. Oh, okay. Um, where they like, they're supposed to meet up, but one of them doesn't make it because of an emergency kind of thing. That trope. Um, I do, I do wish there was more foreshadow to that. Um, but I mean, at the same time, it kind of fits with the rest of the ending in my book, because I think that Brendan and Piper came to their conclusions again too quickly. Mm, Yeah. I felt like the conflict was resolved too easily. Like it was just like, oh wait, Piper's here and she hasn't been here for like a day. My heart is ripping. I was like, more like your dick is missing something. <laughs> and I was like, and with Piper, I was like, but you loved like LA parties and everything. You've only been away for a little bit. I mean, you can change in an, in an amount of time, but like that seems too quick. And like you missed him too much. And it was just like, oh, a day later. And like he's on a plane and they're back together again. Like, like that. Mm-hmm. Like that didn't feel very satisfying in terms of an ending. Yeah. You, you want your couple to show that they can withstand separation for a long time. Like you, you, it makes it more satisfying when they reconnect. Yeah. You know, because when they reconnect too quickly, then the conflict doesn't seem important. And so then it's like, mm, you know, like that was solved pretty easily. Yeah. Like it's, I would have preferred if like Brendan, like realized that Piper was gone. And then, like, he's, like, well, she chose what she chose. Like, I'll just stay here. But then, like, it grows within him. Like, I miss her. Like, I need her. And, like, I'm not saying, like, a super long time. But, like, yeah. maybe, like, just, like, a little chunk of time passes. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, like, he finds Piper through Hannah, you know. And then, like, they finally meet. Like, I feel like that connection, like you said, just would be so much more. Just would be more. Mm-hmm. If like they had time to realize like I miss them so much like I need them now instead of just oh I'm I'm wrong I just need you back. And also too then they can really see what life is like without each other. Yeah. Because not enough time passes for them to really feel the weight and gravity of that missing person at their that's their side. Oh, if I can speak. Yeah, I feel like and in overall there was too much sex and not enough going into the potentials of what was already placed there not to say that the story didn't work it did like it was a full story it had flow and everything but to make it a really great story if tessa bailey had just focused less on the sex and more on like the small things like henry cross and like the foreshadowing of abe and maybe just adding just like a little bit more time in between things then i think it would have been a really really great story yeah, I think the story as it is is really strong because like we've said, it has a great setting. It has the great characters. It has kind of the humor and the heart of a really good rom-com. I think for me, kind of like what, exactly like you said, not kind of like exactly, just less sex, more romance. Or even less sex, more background, more detail, more depth. Yeah, or even because like I actually... This story could have, I mean, any story could have tons of sex in it. Mm-hmm. And so long as it has the emotional backing, then it's a strong story. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, well, I mean, anyways. But with this story, it was like there just wasn't that emotion. So it just didn't feel like the sex was warranted. Yeah. And I mean, it could still be a lightweight story if it just went like a little bit deeper into things. Mm-hmm. You know, you could still just like read it through. It's a really quick, easy, entertaining read. And if you just put, like, a little bit more oomph onto some things, it could still be, like, that really, like, easy read that I think she was going for. Now, there is a sequel that is confirmed. Tessa Bailey has confirmed it. Um, I think it's actually out. It's out now? I think you can get it. Oh, you can get it. It's called Hook, Line, and Sinker. And... I believe Hannah and Fox are the main couple in this one. What do you think will happen in the sequel? Will you read it? Like, what's going on? With the sequel, I mean, I'm curious about it. 
I mean, I think that It Happened One Summer is a book that you could read as a standalone. And I actually went into it thinking it was a standalone. So it's not like, like I could read the sequel. Now, what I think will happen in the sequel is that I think we'll still get, you know, little references about Piper and Brendan. Because obviously they're in the same town, small town. You're going to meet each other <laughs> when you're family, especially. I think Piper and Brendan, I think they're going to get pregnant. With all that unprotected sex, yeah, they are. <laughs> and with Fox and Hannah, I mean, I think I think there might be a little bit of a love triangle. Because oh. Hannah has her crush in L.A., Sergio, I believe. Sergey. Oh, never mind, Sergey. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and she also has, of course, Fox and Westport. And I think with her, it's kind of going to be kind of like the safe option versus the dangerous option. Kind of like a Damon Stefan situation where Sergey is going to be the safe, comfortable, artsy type that she usually goes for. But that Fox is going to bring her out of her comfort zone and push her and give her that passion that she's not going to experience anywhere else. And Fox, of course, is going to have to realize that he can't just quite, he, he's going to stop. He's already in this book kind of stopped being that playboy type. Mm-hmm. You know, he started to kind of think more thoughtfully about Hannah. I think for him, though, I think he's going to have to kind of confront the re- the responsibility that comes with the relationship mm. and to see if he can go long term and, and probably something related to commitment issues. So I think that's what will happen. What about you, though? Um, to be honest, I don't quite care what happens in the sequel. Like, like I said, there just wasn't enough to Hannah or Fox in this, in this book to make me interested in a sequel. Like, Hannah was so unattached to the story in my head, where it's just going to be two separate stories instead of, um, characters that we already know. Like, one leading into the other. Yeah. Like, I couldn't, like, I honestly, but before you said what, what you think, what, what you thought would happen... I didn't. I couldn't think of a single conflict that would happen between those two, right? Mm-hmm. And so I can I can definitely see that happening. But like Sergey was barely mentioned in this in this first book. True. And so I was like, I didn't. He didn't even cross my mind, honestly. And with Fox, it was like I wish he had been more of a playboy in the first one, be, so then that he would have more of a arc in the second one, and like fully realizing like, oh, maybe I am a one woman man. Maybe that is what I want. And for Hannah, like, I wanted more of a conflict with her within the story. Like, what does she, like, what does she feel about her father? Like, what, what, how does she feel being, having a sister who's an Instagram model, who has thousands of followers, who everyone thinks is beautiful? Like, I wanted to see maybe something more with that. Like, of course she loves her, but maybe she would have an issue being overshadowed, maybe by her older I don't, something along, like, I didn't feel like Hannah had enough conflict to, to warrant a sequel. Mm, or, like, enough of a hint of a conflict to give way of what she would have to tackle in a sequel. Yeah. Sequel. <laughs> and even so, like, I feel like, with, I mean, and again, this might be your prerogative. It just isn't mine. I feel like there'll just be a lot more sex instead of conflict. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. With the second book, I think there'd be less sex in the second book. Oh, because Hannah might be a bit more conservative about it. Yeah. Because I don't think, I think based off what we know that sex She's going to be more of like a slow relationship person. Mm-hmm. But okay. I don't, that's a prediction. I don't know. Okay. I was a little bit mean with that. It's not that I don't care. It's just that I just wouldn't be completely interested. Because like like we said, this book does read as a standalone. Yeah, it does. And it's not like there's exactly a push for a sequel. I understand why there's a sequel because we do have Fox and Hannah and they were hinted mm-hmm. in this book. But it's not like it, it was like a cliffhanger at the end. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of more like if you like the characters enough, if you like the world enough, if you like what could happen enough. Yeah. Ooh, we decided we're going to do the harp sound for contemporary books. Yes. For the How Would You Survive? It's so dreamy. It is. I like it a lot. We are now going to be playing What Would You Do? We have four minutes to pose four questions slash scenarios that pertain to It Happened One Summer. The first question is, if you were a wild child socialite, how would you make a statement after a breakup? Fashion. That's how you make a statement, okay? I mean, I'm not saying Princess Diana was a wild child socialite, but she was a very much a public figure. And what happened after 
Prince Charles announced their divorce, she came out in her revenge dress. That's on. Just get an iconic dress. Get an iconic look. And that way, you're not breaking any laws. You're not doing anything bad. You can't be faulted for it. You're just going to look amazing. You know, Kami just brought up a genius point. Because me, personally, I don't want to commit a crime. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, making that subtle statement, kind of proving that it didn't affect you. Yeah. And becoming even more of an icon because of it. Mm -hmm. Being unbothered and becoming even more famous. That's the move to make. That's the move to make. It's not worth it to break it into a hotel. No. The only, like... I can't even steal soap from a hotel, so I'm not going to be able to break in. Or I would seduce a billionaire. Or <laughs> that would work too. Get a new boyfriend. <laughs> you think I need to? Here's Bill. He founded Tide Pods. <laughs> exactly. Now, if you were forced to move to the town of Westport, how would you try to fit in? Well, if I was me, I, it wouldn't be hard. <laughs> like, I, but if I was Piper... I would just lay super low. I'd probably put on a hoodie everywhere I went. I'd only just grab mac and cheese at the store. I wouldn't linger. Mm-hmm. I would just stay in the bar and sleep, maybe go on the beach. Like, I would just really lay low. I would not put myself out there. I would not be an extrovert, which is probably not Piper who she is. Clearly, it's not because that's not what happened in the story. But that's what I would do. I'd become the town gossip. <gasps> you I would, would assert your new position. In I would town. assert my new position. You would go out with the old gossip and in with the new. Like if people wanted to know like gossip, they'd come to me. Oh my gosh. Actually, that's pretty sexy. Yeah. So like everyone, so like you, you kind of just like place yourself within the community while also kind of being out of it. So like you bring in like yourself, like you're the new gossip and then you become all of it. Oh, dang. Dang. That's pretty sexy. Do what Kami did. Yeah. <laughs> it's my dream. <laughs> <laughs> Now, question three. Could you be a fisherman, yes or no? Absolutely not, no. <laughs> One, I hate seafood. I can't eat it. It's gross. I, it's fishy. It's The texture is nasty. Like, tuna? No, thank you. Um, two, boats scare me. <laughs> three, I'm not burly. I have no upper body. <laughs> I have no upper body strength. My balance is real iffy. So if, like... At all, at any point, like a wave would come, I would just be flown off the boat and die. Oh, that's all. I also can't swim. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's <laughs> that's the most important part. Um, I could not be a fisherman because I I would pull in the crabs and I'd be like, oh, you guys are so cute, oh. and you guys were just living free at the bottom of the ocean, and then me, a selfish fisherman, just for some money. And also, this is not a judgment on fishermen. This is just how I would react. Let that be noted. <laughs> I just pulled you out of the ocean, out of your home. Your mom and your dad are probably down there still. There's crabs who are missing you. And I'm just taking you so that you can be served at a fancy buffet? No, I couldn't. I'd look at its cute little eyes, and then I'd just start throwing them all off the thing. They'd try to stop me. They'd try to tie me to the post with mast. the flag. Yeah, the mast. I, I would break out. <laughs> I'd use... I develop my own claw hands to cut myself out and i'd save all the crabs you are an animal lover i you know i couldn't i couldn't you couldn't do it yeah also um would not want to be out in the middle of the ocean no i've watched shark week i know what's out there i've seen that blake lively no i haven't i've seen trailers of that blake lively movie (laughs) the shallows yeah (laughs) no thank you now if someone in town was rude to you could you ever fall in love with them no let me tell you, in these books, you know, like there's the enemies to lovers, right? Like mm-hmm. the, someone says something snarky and rude and the other person gets offended, but ultimately they overcome their differences. I could not. If someone said something rude to me, that would be rooted in my heart forever and I could probably never fall in love with them. <laughs> and not because like maybe they're super kind and like they evolve and our relationship changes and whatever, but... I think my heart would hold on to that comment. And I think I would always say like, oh, that comment was always true in their mind in that moment. And so I think it'd be hard for me to get past that. I would exclusively date those people. Who are mean to you? Yeah. (laughs) 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 Wait, I'm so confused. Because they they would be mean and then I would be mean back. And then I would see that as banter and I would see that as chemistry. Oh, I see. So the meanness is flirting. Yes. Oh, okay. Because, see, if someone's mean to me, then I'm just mean back. 
I mean, will I take it to heart? Yes, but that just like further fuels my roasts. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I see. So you in the fight or flight scenario, you chose fight. I it's been proven I that I do. Yeah. <laughs> we we have a few stories. Yeah. I mean, it's like Nick Miller once said, Don't be mean to me because then I'm gonna fall in love with you. <laughs> or something along those lines. Well, if there's one thing we want you to take away from this podcast, not the sex, not the romance. No, actually use a condom. That, take away <laughs> that, and also take away what Kami just said from Nick Miller, which, who is Nick Miller? New girl. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Following his words. So, two things. Use a condom by Kami. Second thing. You can only use a condom that's by Kami. <laughs> <laughs> Stop being mean to me or else I'm going to fall in love with you. (laughs) Yes. Those are the two morals to take away today. We are great at morals. Yeah. Obviously, you should enlist us for motivational speakers, inspirational speakers. Yeah. We can talk to children. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We would terrorize them. I'd be like, I'm going to put the fear of God in you. These necklaces (laughs) will open the gates of hell. (laughs) Samantha, listen to me. Jimmy, shut the fuck up. You open these, the devil's going to kill your family. (laughs) Thank you all so much for joining us in today's in-depth discussion about It Happened One Summer by Tessa Bailey. We hope that you will join us in our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed our content, don't be afraid to subscribe to the series and follow us on social media. On both Twitter and Instagram, we go by the handle at Kiwi and the Bird. And And remember, remember, like a library, at Kiwi and the Bird, shh, happens. happens.